Welcome to episode 57. Today, I'm interviewing Josh, an infectious disease PA. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Pre-PA Club podcast for episode 57. I'm Savannah, the host, and I am a dermatology PA and also the creator, founder, whatever you want to call me, of the paplatform.com. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Um, Our guest today is named Josh, and he is an infectious disease PA working specifically with HIV patients in Texas. And we were connected through one of our interview coaches, Nan, um, and you may remember her. She was back in episode, let me see, 54, and she's an ENTPA, so they knew each other. I think they met actually at AAPA conference. Um, but yeah, they connected, we connected through them, and um, his job sounds so interesting, so I'm really excited to share that with you and he was able to help out with interviews a lot while he was in school so he's got some insight into the interview process i know interviews are in full swing um, from the emails i'm getting and things on social media so it is definitely interview season but i'm really excited for you to hear this and um, today's episode is sponsored by my pa resource which is a personal statement editing service online myparesource.com. I edit for them, but we use all PAs to edit, and you can expect to get a great end result with editing based on content, grammar, structure, flow, um, making sure that you're including what the admissions committees are looking for. No, we are not going to write your essay for you because no one should, but we will help you polish it and tailor it a little bit more. Um, Usually the ones I do have a lot of read in them when they get sent back. So if you need help with your essay, you can use the code PREPA club for a discount at myparesource.com. And if you need help with a mock interview, you can use it at the PA platform too. So email me if you have any questions and or if you want me to work on saying the word so because I've realized I say that way too much. Anyway, let's get into our interview with Josh and I think you're really going to enjoy it. All right. So, hi everyone. I am, uh, my name is Joshua Estrada. I am a PA working in infectious diseases at Parkland Hospital in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I started in actually living in DC where I studied biology at uh, George Mason University for my undergrad. Uh, worked in research actually for a couple of years at Georgetown University before taking on the PA route in where I applied to Drexel University in Philadelphia, uh, where I recently completed my studies in December of 2017. And since April, I've been at Parkland with infectious diseases, but more specifically the HIV AIDS community. Cool. Parkland. Yeah. So was your research in HIV AIDS? No, actually. So uh, my first, I was doing a research study with uh, thyroid cancer research, so mostly hypothyroidism related. Uh, and then I was doing research related to pregnancy 
as well, but more so just kind of observational type of study, um, looking at uh, pregnant uh, women in their first trimester to see how, if they were, if they had received the flu vaccine or any other maybe antivirals, antiretrovirals as well too, not really specific to HIV, but just to see if they've had any medications or changes during the first trimester and then following up with them postpartum to see if there was any uh, birth defects or any issues there. Okay. How did you move from wanting to do research to PA? I mean, was that something in the back of your mind or just weren't kind of getting what you wanted doing research? Yeah, I think it's a little, it was a little bit of both for me. I, I was originally going into research wanting to, I guess, go for that PhD, go for those publications, which I think in the back of my mind, I still would like to be a part of research, but uh, it was my exposure to PAs during that time working at Georgetown uh, not with OBGYN PAs as well as with oncology PAs where I was like, hey, this is, you know, they're doing great work out here. I feel like I could do this as well. And I wanted to do more patient-oriented stuff. I didn't see myself stuck in a lab <laughs> for hours on end or stuck behind a computer doing manuscripts for hours on end. Yeah. At least that... not for now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't think I would enjoy that either. Um, yeah. At that point, did you have, I guess, the requirements you needed? Or what did you have to do to kind of start pursuing the PA route? So thankfully, yes, because I had a biology undergrad degree um, that pretty much set me up well to, if I wanted to do research or wanted to do the PA profession, it was pretty something that I don't think I had to do. The only major thing I had to do was kind of get more shadowing with PAs and then some more of the like patient contact related hours as well. Okay, so you did that, you applied, yeah. and you were accepted your first round? Yes, thankfully, yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I applied, actually, they got, I guess it was the early admission for Drexel, and mm -hmm. I applied to other schools upon the East Coast, but that was the kind of school that clicked for me during the interview process. Cool, okay. So, once you, um, or in the application process, I guess, yeah. what did you find, was there anything difficult about it, or anything that you felt like? was weak on your application or anything that made you stand out? Just kind of how did that go for you? Okay, so <laughs> great question. As far as kind of, it was kind of a little bit of both what made me stand out, but I felt what also made me weak was that I, coming from more research background, uh, and that was a majority of my patient contact hours because I was trained in phlebotomy, I was trained in sort of interviewing patients for different things related to studies. Um, I wasn't like the other applicants where I wasn't a CNA, I wasn't an EMT or paramedic. I um, didn't, like I said, work in, or as like a pharmacy tech, as some of my other classmates. I even had classmates that were nurses originally uh, before doing the PA profession. So I think for me, uh, research I thought at first was more of a, a hindrance. It was like, oh, I'm not like every other applicant, but then I, I think that also helped me stand out in the process too, just because I have more of like a research background rather than a very health care clinic background. That gotcha. No, it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a different perspective. And I don't know if in your program, y'all had to do anything related to research. We had to write like an evidence-based paper and for someone who had never done that it was 
a little bit tough. I mean, trying to figure out sourcing and all this stuff and all the logistics of it um, was not the, the easiest thing um, I've ever done, but it was a good learning exercise, I think. Yeah, for sure. We had a, a capstone project, I think. Exactly. Okay. It's like kind of a master's type of requirement. And so, yeah, that in that case, yeah, there was yeah, a lot of reviewing publications and then trying to create some sort of thesis, if you call it. Yeah. And then for some of us, we had to create posters and present at, um, there was a PA conference just for the local Pennsylvania chapter. So some of us had to present for that and some other people tried to get publications in JAPA and JAMA as well too. So Yeah, um, I attempted, yeah. I was not successful. Yeah. <laughs> they actually emailed me a year after I graduated and said, hey, we'd like to publish your paper, but we want you oh. to go back and change all this stuff. And I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm gr I've graduated. I don't, we're good. Yeah, it's in the back of my mind. I'm working now. Yeah, I was like, busy. I don't even know. Like, I don't even have those resources anymore. So, I gave up on that one. Yeah. Maybe one day. Um. So once you got to PA school, was it what you expected? Was there anything that was difficult about just being in school? Yes. <laughs> uh. Yeah, because I've been out of school for a couple of years, and so that was the adjustment first. Um, was it what I expected? Yeah, definitely. As far as everyone warned me of the, you know, the load of information we'd receive, just the long hours of study, of self-study, especially. I think that was probably the, the biggest surprise to me is uh, just having to create, create and stick to your own study schedule. <laughs> Yeah, for, I mean, definitely, you have to be self-motivated, um, <laughs> to say the least. But, okay, so you, I know when Non introduced us, she said yeah. that you were able to help out with some interviews. What what does that entail? Yes, so they had, so as a first-year student and then also as a, what we call second-year student, because our program was about 27 months, um, so it was like, we just pretty much for the most part had first and second years, but as a first year student, I got to be a part of the, just what they wanted was student interview committee, because as far as with our interview process, it went, you interviewed with two faculty members and then you interviewed with the current student. Cool. And um, I know they, they, some of the applicants, they thought, oh, okay, it's just the student type of interview, but you know, surprisingly they did the, you know, we do an evaluation, just one page long, of the student that we interviewed, um, and they're pretty generic questions for the most part. Nothing, uh, you know, more of just kind of like, oh, tell me about your extra extracurricular activities. Tell me about YPA versus something else. Kind of like the stuff that maybe the faculty might ask too, uh, but we don't get to see their application like the faculty does. So it's that's why it's more of a generic questioning for them. Hmm. But then at the bottom, they have us sort of evaluate kind of like, would you see this person as a classmate? Could you see this person taking care of you? And that's kind of, you know, I guess the big thing that I've told other applicants as well, too, is that yeah. to keep that in mind when you're doing these student interviews. Uh, but I, I know in some, you know, in, when the staff and the faculty take into account all of the interviews, they definitely look at the student ones as well, too, to see you know, did you treat the student with respect? Did you actually, you know, just for the interview, be a real person during the interview with them instead of just a robot? And 
Um, so that's what I've told other students or applicants as well too, is treat every interview as the, the interview you need. <laughs> yeah, you actually yeah. touched on a couple of really important things there. I think one of them is just that every part of your interview is considered. Um, exactly. So it sounds like they definitely took your opinion into consideration. Um, at, when I helped out with interviews at my school, it was a little bit funny because at the beginning they would kind of say like, oh, like, feel free to ask the students anything. Like, they aren't part of the interview process, whatever, which sounds like y'all were more, but we were just kind of helping out in there. Yeah. But then as soon as the students left, they'd be like, all right, tell me about so-and-so. What Were there any red flags? What do you think about this person? Um, and so it is important, like, you don't want to be talking about anything sketchy or crazy to the students because it will get back to the faculty um and then my school had a very similar perspective as far as one thing that our admissions director always says is when she's looking for people would I think this person would be a great classmate and a great colleague Mm -hmm. like exactly what you said are they gonna contribute to the class and participate and be someone that I would want in my class and are they going to be someone that I could send patients to and yeah. would feel comfortable yeah. seeing patients. So, yeah, did you ever have anyone, um, I guess, that you feel like didn't take the interview part with you seriously or maybe was a little too laid back with it? Yeah, I, I do <laughs> recall, and, you know, unfortunately, I guess for them, um, a couple of applicants at the time where, yeah, they were just a little more laid back. Maybe, you know, maybe they just gave short answers and just didn't, seem enthusiastic as some of the other ones I had or you know they didn't really flesh out I guess their background they didn't really talk about their background they gave a little more generic answering with it kind of like they just wanted to get out of that interview with me <laughs> be yeah, so, so I don't um, know if that was my fault or if that was theirs but <laughs> probably in theirs. any case yeah yeah anything as far as I mean you interviewed and you've seen people interview I mean what would kind of your tips be what stood out to you as somebody that you're like man that person was awesome yes so and this is something I've told other applicants as well too is that uh, there's the things that stand out to me most is someone that can speak to their experiences um, because I feel like I mean when I see everyone on paper you know everyone's got the GPA everyone's done the prereqs everyone's you know even the S. Well, I haven't read anyone's essays as far as actual applicants, but people I've helped with their essays. I feel like everyone's got a pretty solid essay. It's it's when they can in the interview speak to their specific experiences, whether that even you know whether that was as a paramedic, and they can pull out specific stories that explains to me why you know you felt PA was you preferred you wanted to go the PA route versus some other route, or explain to me. Um, what you can bring to this university or what you can bring to this employer that other um, applicants can't. So I felt like it was, they stood out in that they told me about their unique experiences rather than just giving me some sort of generic answer. Yeah, no, that's great, great advice. Um, a lot of people make the mistake of mm-hmm. trying to say what they think you want to hear. And yeah. you can always tell. I mean, it just comes off as very ingenuine and a little bit weird, honestly. So I definitely exactly. just have to kind of, like you said at the beginning, like be a real person, don't be a robot. Um, 
which I know when you're nervous, it can, Oh yeah. I mean, it makes <laughs> it difficult, so <laughs> but I mean, you gotta do the best you can. All right. So are you, now you're working as a PA, um, in infectious disease, specifically HIV AIDS, you said in Dallas? Correct. Okay, cool. Was that an area that you had interest in or like, how did you end up, how'd you end up there? How'd you find your job? Yes. So my, so with my program, our last two rotations were about two to three months, kind of what they call our like primary care preceptorships. And so uh, I thankfully was first at the uh, VA hospital where I got to work with infectious diseases there, inpatient and outpatient. And then uh, my last uh, rotation was at a federally qualified health center uh, where we worked with specifically HIV AIDS patients on an outpatient setting. And so those experiences opened me up to the world of HIV AIDS care and I, pretty much fell in love with it during rotations and was like, this is something I want to do. Unfortunately, didn't find anything in Philly, uh, but uh, I have family in Texas, so that's what kind of drew me out here. And so the uh, kind of went online and saw the opening popped up here at a hospital in Dallas. And uh, thankfully they liked what they saw or <laughs> they brought me in. And so, cool. um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> awesome. What is your, um, schedule kind of look like? Okay, so majority of my time is spent outpatient. So thankfully, I'm a pretty regular, you know, sort of Monday through Friday, um, eight to five, sometimes eight to six type of schedule. Um, that all just kind of depends on whether patients show up or not. Know <laughs> um, <laughs> how that goes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's pretty much the, the basic schedule of it, but I have my own patient panel that I'm seeing and um, on the outpatient setting, it is more of a primary care approach, but then with HIV AIDS care, it's quite unique in that it's also infectious disease on top of their primary care. So we're not just dealing with hypertension, diabetes, um, you know, cancer screenings, other health screenings, but we'll on, throw on top of that managing their HIV regimen and uh, sometimes having to change it if there's resistance or other viral issues that come up. Okay. Um, and then, so if somebody, let's say, gets an opportunistic infection, y'all are going to mm -hmm. take care of that? Exactly. That's so good. on the inpatient side, which okay. um, I do rotate through sometimes, um, we take my group takes care of specifically the HIV AIDS population in the hospital. And so, unfortunately, yes, many of them have the opportunistic infections. And I think that was something that sort of came a shock to me from uh, coming from the Northeast. Uh, you know, this is a little separate topic, but it seems like there's more opportunistic infections down here in Texas compared to Northeast. And I found out that's for a multitude of reasons, which I don't want to get into, but mostly having to do with also there's regional differences related to um, certain uh, infectious etiologies, whether that, like there's more, seems to be more histo down here. Interesting. Uh, and then as well as some more um, like PJP sometimes, and a lot of it I heard has to do with the soil or with mycobacterium infections too. Separate topic I don't <laughs> to get into. But, That's interesting uh, though. I mean that, yeah. I always wonder since I do Durham in Georgia, if yeah. I were to go to say, I don't know, somewhere up north like Wisconsin, if I would see the same amounts of mm. skin cancers and the same types of things or if it would be different. Um, yeah. 
Do you see a lot of KS? Um, thankfully, no. I've actually okay. never seen it in real life. So okay. Um, you probably Good. have, okay. but <laughs> hopefully you don't have to. Yeah, but that would be one that I would pretty... be like, um, let me go get my supervising physician real quick. Yeah. We might have a problem. Um, but no, just I'm, biopsy I'm, it. Just, yeah, be yeah. like, ah, this might not be good. Yeah, so thankfully I haven't seen that yet. Now that you've said that, I probably will see it. It's gonna be my first oh. patient next week when I get back from maternity leave. No, I'm just kidding. You also let me know. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, hey, I need a consult from Texas. Yeah. Um, but no, thankfully I've only had to send. I've had to send one patient to infectious disease. And that was for like a deep, um, like pyogenic gangrenosum infection. Mm. Um, and he yes. was not immunocompromised, not an HIV AIDS patient. Um, it was just very strange. So we ended up having to send, send him to infectious disease and they admitted him and took care of him and stuff. Just basically these huge ulcers that kept getting bigger no matter what we did, which yes. was a lot of fun. So yeah. Um, yeah, so that's my only, only time. And then we see a lot of rheumatology patients and I have a lot of patients on mm. biologics. And so thankfully most of them do great. I haven't necessarily had any issues, but every once in a while, if somebody has a strange history of a weird fungal infection or something, we'll have to kind of consult with ID before we put them on something. But for the most part, our, my patients are pretty healthy. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. At least you have ways to access. I think that's always the yeah. important thing, as especially for me as a new PA, having being able to consult um, other people when it's necessary and get a, a timely response. Yeah, no, it's very helpful. Um, I was, I was thinking back to when I was in PA school, and we had um, just this great guy come talk to us about HIV/AIDS in our area, mm -hmm. and he you'll have to help me out with this. He was in charge of like the, the government funding. I think it has a name. Ryan White. That's it. Yes. Yep. He was in charge of that program for our area. And so he was just super knowledgeable about the population and able to really kind of help us to understand like what we could do to help out and where mm -hmm. kind of the needs were. Um, and like with that funding, I mean, it, it's really great for helping patients get the care they need from what it sounds like. Oh, of course. Yeah. Majority of my patients are, you know, considered in the low income or homeless populations in which thankfully with the Ryan White funding, they can get a lot of their meds covered for, um, cause yeah, these meds are not cheap. <laughs> they're, they're actually, uh, it always surprises when I tell the students too, it's like, it's about three K a month. Wow. Yeah, if you can imagine spending three thousand dollars a month, and that's the nope. average price of them for just your medications. And so, yeah. thankfully, Ryan White covers that. It also covers what Bizarre Clinic also has an acute care center as well, so for walk-ins as well, um, and then any labs uh, that they need and imaging that they need related to HIV or even part of their primary care. Um, but unfortunately, just not cover emergency room visits. Yeah. Um, so that's why we always, that's why we have the acute walk-in clinic so as we can hopefully avoid emergency room visits for patients. Yeah. So. Interesting. Um, is that something you see yourself doing from now on as a new grad or do you kind of think you may end up in a different area at some point? 
I think honestly, I enjoy it. I think that's what, like I said, when I fell in love with it in Philly, like this was kind of the population and the type of medicine that I want to do. So, so as far as for the time being, I see myself doing it for for the years to come. Uh, you know, or I think the only changes I see coming is maybe taking on maybe more of a leadership role within cool. this, or maybe getting more involved with the. Um, we have what's called the AIDS Education Training Center, which is a national. Um, center and that educates providers, educates patients. So maybe getting something involved in that capacity, but definitely still see myself working with HIV AIDS care. Okay, cool. Um, so what would your advice be? I always ask everybody this. What yeah. would your advice be to somebody who is considering becoming a PA, but maybe isn't exactly sure if that's what they want to do? Yes. I say, do your research <laughs> as someone from a research background. Make sure this is something that you want to commit to. It's not something that you need to look at to do with the rest of your life unless you want to, but the next two or three years, if you decide to take this route, is going to be one of the toughest years of your life. And so you really have to evaluate, is this something that I want to do? Is this something I want to invest in? Not just you know financially, but emotionally and physically. <laughs> have to find it you know invest in so um that is something that i always tell people to kind of you know make sure you do research shadow um you know talk to as many people as you can and um i guess before you apply make sure you know in your heart that this is something you want to do and i think and that's what something i've noticed too with the interviews as well too if some if i knew this was someone that this wasn't a plan b for them this is something they definitely wanted to do it came out in their answers not because they actually said that because no one actually said that <laughs> for the most part but you could just tell the enthusiasm you could tell um the positivity and just you could tell the, the just the genuine nature of their answering that this is they this is they feel they belong in this setting they feel they belong as a pa and so i, I think when you get to that point it becomes easier i mean the stress and the challenges just will come uh, as a pa but i think it becomes easier to to, to work through those papers, to work through the study, because you knew, you know, at this point, this is something that you want to do. Yeah, no, I agree. That is great advice. Yeah, that's my um, long answer. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll take it. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time before your busy clinic to okay, share your welcome. insights, and I'm thank sure it will be much appreciated. Yes, for sure. Have a great day. Thank you, you too. Okay, I really hope everyone enjoyed that. We got into a little clinical talk, but I think it was really a lot of useful information. Again, sorry for the background, baby. She just always wants to be included. So anyway, um, thank you so much for listening. If you're not already a part of our Pre-PA Club community, make sure you join on Facebook. You can just search for it or use the link in the description to join our group. A lot of great conversations going on there. Um, you can get feedback from myself and from other PAs who are in our group. Um, but yeah, we'd love to have you there. And if you're loving the podcast, leave a review on iTunes, reach out on Instagram at the PA platform. We'd love to hear from you. Hope you're having a good day. See you next time.